let's um, just quiet our hearts in prayer just for a few moments. Oh God, you give us the hard task of reading these words and applying them to our lives. Be with us, we pray, and for us, as you always are, by the power of your Spirit, through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Well, there's a running theme, I think, that runs through some of the New Testament passages, particularly where Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And it's one of kind of pitting the Christian life as this never-ending challenge. Um, And we all know these experiences in our lives. Um, To kind of bring things home just a wee bit, we know that the Women's World Cup soccer football is going to be on our shores very soon. And I think this is the first time in the history of the Women's World Cup where more than a million tickets have been pre-sold. And so it's a sign of growing support. Um, And of course, many of us, as we think about September and the Rugby World Cup, will be thinking about rooting for our team and staying up late to watch the matches halfway across the world. We know what it feels like, um, many of us, to have played sport, to be on a team, to have a favorite team, to be rooting for a team. In fact, even this week with the tragic news of those that um, died on the submersible, on the Titan, I found myself rooting for the Coast Guard and the people searching to find them before the air ran out. And of course, it wasn't to be so, but um, we know what it feels like um, to, to get on side with somebody making it over the line. Every preacher encounters words in the Bible that they are afraid of reading out loud in some ways because they know that if we read them out loud and we really truly attend to them, we might turn more people off than we turn on. And the words in Matthew chapter 10 are words to that effect. They are words um, that every once in a while you come across and you look at your own life and you think, boy, I really don't measure up. Or this seems too hard. Our gospel text this morning basically tells us that if we want to follow Jesus, we're going to end up getting hurt. We're going to end up getting hurt. And it warns us that um, this whole thing about discipleship, about following Jesus, that suffering is a part of the package. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not a really big fan of suffering and pain. I try to avoid it. I'm not one who looks for it or thrives on um, activities that can, might introduce it into my life. Avoidance seems to be a wonderful strategy to make it through life in one piece. But in the spirit of confession, I think it's also important that you know that you know, when I was younger, I was so scrawny that um, I couldn't participate in some of these really big contact sports. I mean, I just would have been torn limb to limb. And my brother was such an athlete. Um, But this morning, we are encouraged in some ways to seek out pain and suffering. It simply claims that it's going to be an expected result of our lives following Jesus of Nazareth. And while none of us really likes the idea of suffering for the cause of Christ, there's another reason why you might want to avoid reading passages like this, and that, of course, is the feeling of guilt. And I think it's important to acknowledge and recognize that for many of us, we can't really connect the idea of suffering and pain to our Christian faith at all. 
Some of us, I'm sure, if we were graded on a spiritual performance matrix with this in mind, would no doubt find ourselves in some kind of trouble, maybe C, average. Wherever you might find yourself on this supposed idea or grading scale of discipleship, there's another element of the passage before us this morning that's important to keep in mind. And that is that Jesus seems to be giving us a sense of challenge, seems to be giving the disciples, the first apostles, a sense of challenge. Jesus says that a disciple is not above the teacher, and it is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher. We are to follow Jesus' footsteps and to accept the reality that there are consequences that come with that. The heartening part of this passage is that three times the disciples are told to not be afraid. Don't be afraid of those that call you the devil or those who might cause you physical injury. Don't be afraid because God is on your side. And of course here we can see the implication. The apostles are going to encounter physical and emotional pain in following Jesus. And yet Jesus wants to affirm them and affirm that God cares for them, and that God sees them. And nevertheless, God chooses to send them out on this mission. As human beings, we know all too well that we are able to rise to the occasion when it comes to challenge. Some of us even thrive on challenge. One of the interesting things about tourism that I discovered when I first moved here, particularly living on the South Island, is how much our tourism industry is geared towards almost killing yourself. Why would anyone want to strap themselves to a perfectly good bridge and jump into a gorge and pay good hard-earned money to do it? Why would anybody want to pay good money to sit on a tiny fiberglass boat with a jet engine on the back? and barrel their way through whitewater rapids. It doesn't make sense. It boggles the mind in some ways. In Yosemite National Park in the American West, there is a mountain called El Capitan. This mountain has a 3,000-foot granite wall face, and it is a favorite of some of the best of the best climbers in all the world to summit El Capitan is a huge thing. About 10 years ago, a man named Alex Honnold was the first person to ever accomplish something called a free solo. Have you heard of this? A free solo. He free soloed the mountain, El Capitan. That means that he went up the mountain without ropes or harnesses or anything to protect him from a fall. He simply used his hands and his feet and there was absolutely no room for mistakes. Alex described his preparation as taking two full years, which included many exercises, such as hanging from the tips of his fingers for an hour at a time. He literally rose to the challenge of climbing the 3,000-foot granite wall face of El Capitan free solo. Now, I'm sure that if I asked for a show of hands in this congregation this morning, there would no doubt be stories of many challenges and many ways of training for those challenges and opportunities and experiences where you could tell us about the challenges that you thought were unimaginable and how you overcame them. My wife 
she's <laughs> before we even met, ran half a marathon. And she, if you hear her, t- she's a full marathon as well. And a half. A full and a half. But if you hear her describe the, the, uh, the training for this, the group training that went in and how it was a charitable fundraiser um, and the ways in which it was grueling. And, and the interesting thing is she has no interest in running anymore. <laughs> Some challenges are just things that we do to overcome within ourselves. Can I do this? Can I rise to this? No doubt this morning there will be those of you who have done similar things, run long-distance races, or those of you who committed yourself to learning multiple languages, or perhaps even written a book, or taken on the challenge of writing a PhD thesis, or creating a sculpture, or a piece of artwork, dedicated yourself to something that you thought you could not do, but you set yourself to that challenge. That sense, that feeling of challenge, of rising to that, of dedicating yourself to what you need to do in order to achieve the end before you is the very same thing that Jesus is describing to his disciples and to us in the 10th chapter of Gospel of Matthew. The apostles and we are called to proclaim the kingdom of God, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons. They're called to travel from place to place, staying only as long as they are welcomed and explicitly told not to gain any profit from their work. The disciples were not about forcing their views upon others or trying to forcibly convert anyone. They simply were asked and told to travel without any tools of the trade or gimmicks and expect nothing in return for what they were offering. They are to declare the kingdom of God at work in the life of others and seek their peace and their well-being. Whatever you do and whatever challenge you feel your faith has set before you, it's important that you realize that God sees you. And this here is a very important piece of this passage. That is why Jesus remarks on the smallness of the two sparrows. Like the disciples, we are encouraged to know that there is no activity, no effort, no attempt to be Jesus' disciple in the world that is too small or that goes unseen by God. God cares about the most minute and the smallest gesture, the tiniest thing of faith that we're able to conjure in this thing we call life, the mustard seed that lies before us perhaps tomorrow at 10.37 a.m. Wherever we are, we are not alone. We should not be afraid because God, nevertheless, is beside us, present. There beside our fears, our fears of failure, and comforting us with God's own presence. Like those very first disciples, you and I are sent out of this place into the world with all the same teachings in our hearts that those very first disciples were commanded to take to others. We are encouraged not to be shy about our faith. We are encouraged to be bold while attempting to not be obnoxious. Ah, there's a maxim for us all. Be bold, but not obnoxious. Like the first disciples, we've been given permission to allow other people to say no and to not take it personally. Remember Jesus telling them that if they went somewhere and they weren't welcomed, if their message was rejected, 
Their values were not explored to simply move on. But here, let us not miss the mark of discipleship as a public activity, something that we ought to be bold and fearless with. And what Jesus never said is that we have permission to do nothing. What would it look like then for each and every one of us to take those baptismal vows that were spoken over us so long ago seriously? What would it look like for us to think of those that have gone before us, those who built this building and dedicated this land to the glory of God, but also those around the world who have given the greatest sacrifice of their lives because they refuse to reject Christ? Thankfully, God is not in the business of grading each and every one of us. Thanks be to God that the goal is simply to be faithful and to follow Jesus and to let God deal with everything else. Thank God, friends, that the challenge of discipleship, of following Jesus, is not the same as trying to summit El Capitan free solo. We are not asked to do it alone. This is a team sport, this thing called church. And we're here to encourage each other, to help each other, to cheer each other on in the ongoing challenges of being true to our faith wherever God has placed us. Yes, it is a hard thing, this thing following Jesus. Some days it feels impossible and worthless. Some days it feels like it makes no difference whatsoever. But Jesus bids us to do our best despite all of this. Whatever hardships we might face, whatever failures we might encounter, Jesus whispers to us, I know it's hard, but do it anyway. So we turn this morning to Christ and ask Christ's spirit into our hearts to deposit within us strength and encouragement for the journey that is set before us, the journey of discipleship. May God make it so. Amen.